Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. If I ever do anything right, I want to be so Little light If I ever Wake in the night I want to know I tried my best For this little light Oh and time will tell But my heart fell So hard So there's nothing Progressive Parenting is a listener-funded show. No part of this program should be construed as medical advice. And now your host, Gina Kirby. Good morning, everyone. Being a parent is the hardest job you'll ever have. Progressive Parenting understands this and wants you to know that you are not alone. My name is Gina Kirby, and I am your humble host. I am not a parenting expert, but as a doula, a childbirth educator, a Lecce League International Breastfeeding Peer Counselor and Concerned Parent of Four Children, I understand the difficulties involved with parenthood. So every week I invite doctors, nurses, family workers, authors, and experts from different fields to answer your parenting questions. Now, because this is a progressive talk show, we will talk about and broach topics and air opinions that you as a parent might not otherwise hear about through the mainstream media. The mission of progressive parenting is to inform, not preach, to share, not advise, and to connect, not alienate. Progressive Parenting Radio is a listener-funded program. If you enjoy the information we bring you, please consider donating. You can send PayPal donations to paypal.me forward slash radio donation. Progressive Parenting has been broadcasting for over 10 years, bringing quality information to listeners like you. We'd like to thank our listeners and our sponsors, Doula Trainings International, the fine folks at bebomia.com, and Doula Book for supporting our mission to bring great information to you. The number to call in during our program is 347-850-1642. That number again is 347-850-1642. If you'd like to ask a question or make a comment, please press 1 and it will alert a producer that you have something to say. I am very excited about today's topic and my guest. Our guest today is Margo Blackstone. Uh, Margot became interested in birth during graduate school when she was studying birth and midwifery from a social sciences perspective. She realized that she wanted to be working with women, not just writing about them. She started a midwifery apprenticeship in January 2011 with Marin of Indie Birth. Marin was Margot's primary mentor for five years, during which time she also worked with five other midwives. 
Margo is a radical, a rebel, an out-of-the-box thinker, and loves creating new resources about birth in addition to serving her community as a new traditional midwife in Duluth, Minnesota. I am so excited to have her on the program today. Well, we're just going to get started right now. Hey, is that you, Margo? This is me. Hey, nice to hear your voice. Thanks for being on the program today. So I wanted to share um, that I, the, the whole reason that we're doing the program and, and why it's called what it's called is that um, I was like, did to do on Facebook the other day, um, or I think it was a week back, and I saw a post that you made, and it really caught my attention, and I was like, we need to do something about this right now. So um, <laughs> the, the post that I saw, if I can share a little tiny piece of it, uh, was just that you said, I'm feeling extra shocked today with how many pe- how little people know about the basics of birth, including people planning home births and unassisted births. Can someone give me a paper bag to breathe into this morning? How can we change <laughs> the tides around this? So, uh, oh, and you asked a question. You said, how has the sacred knowledge and wisdom around birth disappeared in our communities? So let's talk about that. I mean, the title of the show is um, uh, What We've Forgotten About the Labor Blueprint. Can you talk to me more about that? Yeah. Like, what I is this, can talk what to you is more this about labor that. blueprint you speak of? What is this about? What does that even mean? What does that mean? Well, I can't, you know, um, claim that I came up with that term, uh, or at least not all by myself. It's definitely highly influenced by the work of Dr. Sarah Buckley. Um, mm-hmm. I think she called it the hormonal blueprint of labor. Um, yes. I call it the labor blueprint. Um, a lot of the work that we do at Indie Birth is inspired by her. Um, and the workshop that I do the most often uh, for free in my mm-hmm. community here is uh, – essentially um, a summary of her amazing book, Gentle Birth, Gentle Mothering. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the labor blueprint is sort of just what is this recipe for um, creating the most birth that's possible for that mom and baby. Um, So the same thing is that all mammals require, right, feeling private, safe, and unobserved. And uh, I talk a lot with parents about and clients about uh, what disturbs birth and how to not do those things and promote the sorts of things that um, make the hormones flow really smoothly. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the, the labor blueprint. So what are what are women not knowing or not understanding going into birth? I mean, you're talking about unassisted birth, and what do, what do they not know? Like, what's the stuff that makes you want to breathe into a paper bag? What are we talking <laughs> yeah, about? Yeah, totally. Yeah, well, okay, so a lot of the people that come to us through the Indie Birth venue uh, are already really knowledgeable parents or um, midwives or doulas. And so I feel like I have sort of like a bubble that I live in for the most part. And yeah. it's been through these... Um, free community workshops that I've been doing a lot more of in the last year and then being a part of some other groups online that are not indie birth affiliated, different home birth groups on Facebook where people are asking questions like, if I have to pee in labor, how does that work? What? Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, I would never want to make somebody feel bad or – you know, shame them for not knowing these things, but just really stunning questions um, that where people are just are not understanding basic anatomy and 
Um, what was another one recently? Um, oh, the one that inspired that of mine was someone who was in labor, uh, crowdsourcing information on Facebook, which is neither here nor there, so it's kind of a cool thing and can be kind of a crazy thing, but um, she asked how she'll know when it's time to push. And she said, should I wait till my water breaks? And so, Whoa. you know, being like, wow, you're in the midst of the process, and there are some major basic pieces of information that you have not gathered yet. Yeah. So, yeah. And I believe that was an unassisted birth, which, you know, on the one hand, if someone just trusts that their body can do it and doesn't need to know all of this stuff, I think that's fabulous. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, there are some things that people would just know by osmosis and by being part of, um, you know, other people's births if we were living the way that we were perhaps a few hundred years ago and attending birth right. as young young girls and for birth for our friends and, and, and that sort of thing. So just sort of shocking. Yeah, um that is kind of shocking. Like the the question about, you know, when when should I start pushing like right after my water breaks, like your water could break twenty four hours before right. you have your baby. <laughs> you won't want right. to be pushing twenty four hours. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. So, so how do we change that? How do we, how do we get this, what used to be like common knowledge uh, out to everybody? What, what is your yeah. answer to that? What is my answer? It's an ever evolving answer. And um, I don't think I have the answer. And I think it will probably, will definitely look different depending on the community that somebody lives in. Um, I, after that post started, actually started another group who, you know, I need 50 groups to run, right? But um, there's another group now on Facebook. If someone is interested uh, in joining, they can contact me. Uh, it's, I think I'm calling it the Indie Birth, Birth Teacher Support Group or some not very eloquent name. But um, essentially <laughs> getting all these people together who say they're interested in changing these things in their own communities and getting them talking. And I'm asking them really specific things like, um you know, what are your goals? What do you want someone to leave a workshop or an event with either knowledge-wise or feeling-wise? Um, what are the topics that you feel like you're the most um, confident in sharing, like, right this second? And it's been really fascinating just in the last week to see the amazing variety of answers. And um, the part where no no one yet has answered on this thread that I started um, you know, all these different questions were different threads. And the last one I've asked, and it was like the day before Christmas, so maybe that's why no one has answered <laughs> yet, but still, um, was, okay, so what? which one thing can you pick to offer in February? Like getting them to commit to, like, I'm going to do this thing in February and I'm going to figure it out with some support. Nobody has responded yet because that's the part where everyone's just getting stuck and they don't feel qualified enough or good enough or prepared enough. And uh-huh. so so I think that's how we're going to start changing things on the bigger scale through IndieWorth. That's my hope. And um, our whole post-conference session this year at the conference, which is uh, March 24th through 27th, and the post-conference is on the 27th, which is a Monday, that whole day is going to be talking about how do we do this in our community. And um, 
So where was I going with that? Just that, um, yeah, on the big scale, we just need more people to be sort of taking the mantle of this and finding ways to share, um, whatever that might be. Uh, for me personally, yeah, yeah. Go for it. no, no, go ahead. For you personally, I was say, yeah, for me personally, here I'm I'm new to the community I'm in in Minnesota, and I'm just kind of experimenting based on what we had been doing in Arizona together, Aaron and I. Um, and I've done two free workshops in the last couple months, and I'm planning another one. And the way it looks for me is. I'm offering them for free in hopes that I can get as wide of a range of people as possible who aren't going to not come because it's even five or ten bucks, who really just are open and interested and, um, you know, just trying to get a a wide swath of the community to come. Um, I don't call it, like, home birth education or anything like that. Um, I've been calling it just a free birth workshop, something very generic. And... Uh um, I essentially do three hours. Uh, this is the next incarnation, at least a three-hour workshop, where the first hour is talking about how birth um, looks when it's undisturbed, and talking huh. about why birth is sacred. Sort of the more esoteric stuff, and showing some, you know, photos and um, talking about what that means to them, and talking about what experiences they've had with birth. And then it's two hours of um, more like the, the details of the hormonal flow and talking about the different hormones and how that works. And I show them that really fun video that perhaps you've seen the sex like birth. It's like an Italian yeah. short. Yeah. Um, and talk about that a lot. And um, in the past, I've done some more on the anatomy and physiology and how the baby actually comes out, but I've learned that people's attention starts waning. And so I've shortened that to, to just talking a little bit about the pelvis and how it's amazingly able to change shape. And I get them on the floor moving around and feeling their bones and being, you know, feeling awkward with each other and um, uh, just very little about comfort measures um, and wrap up with a little short meditation usually. Um, but show lots of videos and, again, lots of photos from births that we've attended. And they usually have sometimes similar questions from workshop to workshop and sometimes new things. But a lot of times people want to talk about vaginal exams and tearing and um, what's the other one that comes up a lot, the cord around the neck, sort of some of these yeah. things that are more advanced than when do I push, but we talk about that too. Um, so... Yeah, those posts, though, have got me thinking, like, maybe I need to even take a step farther back. Um, mm-hmm. But people generally do leave my workshop. I feel like feeling a lot more confident that they understand the process and are curious about how they can have an undisturbed birth. That's, I think that's, that's the most, the biggest thing for me is the undisturbed birth business. Like, talking to people about how incredibly important it is to have, like, that un undisturbed um, situation and people really don't get it until I ask them if they've ever seen an animal give birth and I'm like mm-hmm. would an animal like right now give birth in the middle of this room or where where would they give birth and they're like someplace safe yeah. and quiet and dark I'm like yeah why does like my yeah. dog get that but like I don't 
Yeah, that's yeah, just, definitely something I bring up too. Um, so I want to get back to something you said that was really important to me though about sharing this kind of information where you were saying that women might feel like they're not uh, prepared enough or they're not uh, ready or maybe that they're not enough. And uh, mm-hmm. I would love to um, take that notion and stick it in the garbage because uh, <laughs> women really are enough uh, right where they're at if they know uh, anything about childbirth. I think just having discussions about it, you don't mm-hmm. have to like set up shop and put out a shingle and, and uh, charge money for it. It's something that we should be sharing. Like I've been screaming this kind of stuff from the rooftops for the last 10 years. Uh, my answer to this was like, I'm just going to start a radio program. And, right. and went out and, and hit up all the stations in town until somebody gave me a show. Uh, that was 10 years ago. <laughs> um, but you don't have to have a podcast. You can just be sharing information on Facebook. You can start a blog. You can. There's so many different things that you can do. Or you can go out into your community and start doing like these free classes like um, Margo was talking about if you have the luxury of time to do that. Um, for sure. Um, and then as far as, like, being able to, like, or you're like, I don't know enough, maybe. Like, go out and get Education and Counseling for Childbirth by Sheila Kitzinger. Uh, God rest her soul. She was an amazing human being. And I I think this is one of the first books I picked up when I first um, started, like, delving into this, like, geekier side of me and, like, really geeking out on birth. And I read her book, and I was like, oh, I could be – I could – I would like to be a childbirth educator <laughs> after mm-hmm. reading her book. And um, that, that was the education and counseling for childbirth. And I, I really think that's where, where people should start. If you want to start thinking about educating your, your neighbors and your friends and your community about what childbirth really is. What are some things, what are some basic things that we could share right now to somebody who's listening in and wants to know, like, what is this? labor blueprint like what have we forgotten what are some basic things that you would want to share uh, for people who are thinking about home hospital or birth center birth yeah that's a great question um you know when i do the the part of my workshop which is called the labor blueprint um i start with what we've already said which is have you ever seen an animal give birth and have you seen a dog or a cat or a horse or a cow? And there's always some like fun story in the audience or someone's like, Oh yeah, I like deliver goats all the time. And um, we talk about, like you said, where would that happen and where does that, what's the common knowledge around that? Um, And I often say, if you leave my workshop, not remembering anything else, just kind of remember this very simple mantra that a birthing mother needs to feel private, safe, and unobserved. So I'd love to get shirts with that on them at some point, Um, since I feel like that really sums it up well. And then the other thing I usually tell them to never forget after leaving the workshop or if they only remember two things. Um, The other thing is that um, things that disturb birth are the same things that would make it really hard for you to have an orgasm. And usually that sticks with people. So um, I often ask them, you know, could you have an orgasm with your mother-in-law in the room? And usually people have a good laugh about that and start <laughs> to understand, <laughs> especially when we're talking about oxytocin, right? Uh, the love hormone, the hormone of all ejection reflexes, uh, the hormone that's released when we're nursing our babies, when we orgasm, and when we're birthing. 
among other times, the, the flow of oxytocin specifically. And then the other hormones are interesting too and, and matter a lot, but um, that's the most obvious one to talk about, especially in a shorter time setting. But um, yeah, and I usually show them a photo of a baby and a dog, a baby and a puppy snuggling. Yeah. To help them <laughs> to help them understand like what is this oxytocin feeling. Um and and yeah, talking about that. And then on the flip side of course, talking about adrenaline and more adrenaline and the fight or flight hormones and how those play a role in the birth, but having them increase uh too quickly, like with a saber tooth tiger and then I showed them a really terrifying photo of a saber tooth tiger. Um, can can slow things down, and then I usually bring up mother-in-laws again. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mother-in-laws, oh, I, I I should write a book about mother-in-laws. Yeah. Um, well, or mothers, like that's that's yeah. kind of a big. Deal. I have you know clients will ask me you know about like because I'll say you know who's going to be at your birth and they'll say well my mom's going to be there and then I really want to ask them about their relationship with their mom because yeah. um, it it can really make a big difference having your mom at the birth and not always in the most positive way if mm-hmm. uh, their relationship isn't like perfect and stellar, which not all of us have with our moms. And uh, the only way I've ever been able to describe it to somebody is like, we behave differently with different people. Like the way I would talk to you in private, uh, Margot, compared to like, say, talking to our pastor or talking to my grandma like, I wouldn't use the same words. I, I become a different person with different people. That's just mm-hmm. human nature. And I tell my clients it's really difficult to become a mother when you're busy being somebody's daughter. Right. And because I've seen it. I've seen where, where, you know, you're in pain and you revert to, like, this, like, oh, you know, mommy, help me kind of space. And that's not um, really conducive to finding your, like, raw primal power when you're busy being mm-hmm. somebody's daughter. So that's like mm-hmm. a whole other thing too. Oh my gosh. And then mother-in-law. <laughs> well, I've tried to explain that to dads too. I'm like, okay, like for a partner who doesn't like get like why it's so important to be in the dark and, and to feel private. I'm like, well, why don't you come on up here? And they come up in the front of the class and I'm like, all right, see this little bucket I have right here? Just go ahead and pee in it. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, go ahead. Just, pee in front of everybody like I don't think I could <laughs> like exactly now try yeah. to have a baby in the same kind of situation in the middle of a room with bright lights on and people waiting around for you to go ahead and do it like you're, you're right. eventually going like I didn't ever let you leave here you would eventually pee <laughs> at some point but you wouldn't have good feelings about it and it would probably be very difficult <laughs> and right. maybe not as easy as it would be alone in the bathroom <laughs> mm-hmm kind of a crude example but I think it kind of drives no it's great um especially for the guys like yeah I can't do this right now (laughs) well yeah Um, that's why I so love that Italian film the short film because I feel like that's super helpful for the partners that are there you know it's a for people that haven't seen it it's it's um a couple who's trying to conceive in the hospital and so they're having sex in a hospital room and people keep coming in and out and telling him how to do it and him up to IVs and I've definitely seen that make a difference or it looks like it's or 
changes something for especially the, the male partners in the room. Be like, oh, I see how that could be hard. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, well, I want to answer some of those questions. I, I even saw somebody comment, like, one of the questions was, like, where do I buy stirrups for, like, for a home birth? Uh-huh. Uh, was one of the questions. Um, what does that particular question in your mind say about how we look at birth? Mm. Yeah, I feel like that's the tendency that I've seen and that is really shocking and um, needs a lot of work in the home birth and unassisted birth world is that we're taking this um, modern Western, you know, hospital-based vision of birth and trying to now transpose it onto being at home with a midwife or by ourselves. And instead of saying, how are we doing this? How does home birth look in its own right? And so I can see where those questions come from. Um, They're stepping away from what they know and, but they're trying to just sort of recreate the hospital at home. And, you know, we can see that with midwifery as well. Um, oh man! A lot of midwives who are practicing in that way too they seem to have forgotten the roots of what midwifery really is. And I consider myself a, a postmodern midwife, so like you know, I carry a Doppler and I know how to place an IV, and like I have those skills and tools because those skills and tools now exist when they didn't, you know, 500 years ago. Um, but that doesn't mean that the spirit of it is the same if that makes sense. So the spirit that I bring to a home birth isn't just the same spirit that someone brings to a hospital birth. Um, And, you know, um, there are hospital practitioners who practice in a more sacred, evidence-based, individualized way too. Um, But I just know the midwifery side of it more and have, you know, seen and apprenticed with midwives who call themselves medical midwives. And so very much do bring the hospital birth um, ethos to the home or the birth center. So, um, you know, offering things like nitrous oxide or, you know, always having the oxygen tank at the ready. Um, You know, only recently in the last maybe decade or so has the bulb syringe started slowly disappearing from home birth and delivery since, you know, it was all but lost in the U.S. and many parts of the U.S. at least. Um, and then, of course, had the resurgence it did. And along with that came the, these vestiges of the hospital. So right. I using a bulb syringe on a baby when that was never a part of traditional midwifery ever. So right. <laughs> it took, it's all that, gotten uh, very mixed up. <laughs> I remember laughing so hard. I was at APA uh, Congress. Uh, last year and Karen Strange was talking in front of a room full of like tons of doctors and she was going through the stages of labor and she's like if a woman's undisturbed she'll take her baby and she'll put her baby face down you know why would why would you do that and somebody was like oh so so liquid could drain from the mouth like using gravity and she's like yes exactly because if we needed a bulb syringe it would come out right after the baby was born <laughs> And I, I, like, I, I just like guffawed. I was like, ha! 
<laughs> like all these people turned on and looked at me. <laughs> She's like, yeah, and then sisters and a blanket and a little hat <laughs> all come out of mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if they I were recently said the same thing to someone at a, a yoga class that does it's this really cool prenatal yoga class locally where they do an hour of talking and discussion and an hour of yoga and they ask me to come for the first hour and stay for the yoga. And, um, yeah, someone asked me about why I, I had listed baby hats as a disturbance, right? And yeah. They were so confused. Yeah, I said the same thing. They needed a hat, they'd come out with one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like a whole other topic, too. I love the Carla Hartley, no no hatting, no padding, no chatting. Yeah. Yep. Here's a baby we had at home. He's right here. Um, So that's <laughs> another thing that you were talking about, like bringing vestiges of the hospital into into birth. Um, and even, um, like, traditional midwifery as we know it seems to be disappearing. I was at a birth, this is, like, four years ago now, maybe three. And I was at a home birth, and I met these two midwives I'd never met before. And I was excited to see them because I've got a thing for midwives. And I'm like, yay, midwives. And everything was great. Um, Mom was just kind of left to to labor on her own in the dark with her partner. We just kind of sat outside in the hallway and, you know, reminded her to pee and drink water and eat and get, you know, left again. And it was really beautiful, undisturbed, gorgeous birth until she needed to push. And she told her midwives, I want to squat while I'm pushing. And I want to, I want to straddle my husband like I saw in Gina's workshop. And the (laughs) midwife told her no, told her that she would, she would tear stem to stern. Those were her words. Oh, and that no. was my client's biggest fear. That was her biggest fear was tearing. And uh, she was like, oh, well, what, what do I do then? And she's like, well, just lay here on the bed on your back, and we'll hold your legs for you. And Ooh. she goes, oh, okay. And I, was, I told her, I, said, I looked at her, and I said, this is your home. This is your birth. You know, you can birth any way you'd like to. And she said, that's okay, Gina. I trust them. And she ended up tearing. It was terrible. Uh, it was a fourth-degree tear. They had her pushing without the baby spontaneous. Like, it wasn't spontaneous pushing. They just said, well, you're 100% incomplete on the next push. You know, why don't you, on the next contraction, why don't you try, try pushing? And... And she pushed for forever, and she pushed so hard, and it was directed pushing. And I felt like I was at a hospital birth. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I was really devastated. I, I think I was more traumatized than the mom was um, mm-hmm. because she'd never been to a home birth before, you know. So she didn't know what was normal, quote-unquote, for a home birth um, right. or, or even a hospital birth because that was her first child. And mm-hmm. I was just so surprised. I felt like, where am I? I felt like I was in a hospital. Yeah. It was just shocking. Yeah. I was like, I thought you guys were midwives, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, was just, I was really surprised. I thought, because they were home birth midwives, that I would see midwifery right. and not, it, it was essentially just like, she might as well have been in a hospital. At that point, yeah, yeah, and and I don't think clients know, you know, all these expectant parents know what's normal regarding home birth or what a home birth looks like, and I didn't mm-hmm. think that I needed to explain that to her because she was going to have a home birth. Right. <laughs> you know, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't 
uh, I feel like maybe I had let her down because I didn't give her an idea ahead of time of what a home birth looked like, beginning to end, you know. Right. Uh, I, I had described the undisturbed birth process, the labor, undisturbed labor, but not like the actual moment of birth and mm-hmm. how she needed to be undisturbed at that time too, <laughs> not just during the Yeah, war. yeah. I love, there's a couple of videos that I use that are all just on YouTube for the most part um, when I'm teaching that workshop that I do, the Labor Blueprint workshop, and I feel like that's the best way to start those discussions for people and you know our five-week childbirth class through indie birth is mandatory for all of my clients because it's the same conversations that we would have in prenatals but then that frees up a lot more time in prenatals to talk about their own individual stuff and they can just do the class on their own but um yeah so you know showing them i usually sandwich it so i do an undisturbed like a very nice undisturbed birth sort of, um, you know, meets all of the, the boxes of being undisturbed. And then I show them a more hands-on birth. And the one I usually show is a birth center birth um, where there's a bulb syringe and the cord's clamped at like 30 seconds and uh, oxygen is on during pushing and, you know, just sort of all of these different interventions and disturbances. And then I show them another undisturbed birth after that to sort of like cleanse the palate. Um, and that's usually when the best questions come up and when people say things like, oh, I hadn't thought through that part of it, um, or why wouldn't I want a hat on my baby, or, you know, we talk about the birth pause and how not all moms pick their babies up right away and um, how you can catch your own baby and uh, just things that are even more outside the box because uh, I had someone just at this last workshop who had had a home birth with the midwife for her first baby, and she's pregnant now with her second, planning a home birth with a different midwife because she wasn't super pleased with how the first round went. Um, Mm -hmm. And then she came to my workshop, and when she was leaving, she said, you know, I was unhappy with my experience already, and now I'm even more unhappy looking back Um, and realizing all the ways that I was disturbed and that my body and my baby weren't respected by that midwife Um, and um that was really powerful i think and she said now i I know what to ask or i have way more questions now for the midwife i have hired and um and yeah so so that's i have an article on indie birth called the midwife is not a midwife is not a midwife or something along those lines i love yeah because that's just because someone's a midwife doesn't mean they're holistic it doesn't mean that they're it doesn't mean anything anymore. The word is sort of devoid of meaning, unfortunately. And so we have to know what questions to ask and um, we have to know what we want when we're looking for Yeah, and you don't you don't want to find out that truth about, you know, midwife doesn't mean what it used to mean um, at the birth. Like you no. Like, I found out. <laughs> I learned the hard way. I mean, because I, I live in a bubble, like you said. You know, I, I have all of these uh, midwife friends, traditional midwife friends, um, I I was lucky enough to learn about birth um, as a an assistant midwife when I was living in California, and <laughs> Jack, are you bored with my my show right now? <laughs> um, and but the midwife that I worked with, with was uh do you want to you want to watch a show? Can Daddy go take you right now? The midwife. <laughs> he, he will take no. you to go watch Aquanet. You can watch it on my phone. 
Do you want to watch it on my phone? Did we just give a free plug to Optimus mm-hmm. and how awesome they are? Yeah. Okay, take it, and you and Daddy can watch it. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I was telling somebody, they were like, why don't you have a babysitter? I said, that's part of the budget for Progressive Parenting Radio, and we didn't get a donation in December, so no babysitter this month. Yes, <laughs> but, everybody um, needs to donate. So I, lear- I learned with a midwife in California who was just, like, old school, just old school. We'd just show up. We had all of this stuff. We had – you know, the recess board and oxygen and, uh, and Pitocin and we had um, for bleeding after and, and we had all of this stuff that never got used. So my job, mm-hmm. my job was to lug in all of these things. <laughs> and then, um, and then she would just sit and knit and then the baby would come out and maybe most likely the dad would catch. And then she, then she did some things and then that was it. <laughs> like that's, that's what I thought birth was for years. And it wasn't until, um, that's what I thought home birth was. And that's what I thought midwifery was. And it wasn't until years later where I got to see other midwives working and I went, oh, this word doesn't mean, you keep using that word. I don't think that word means what you think it means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My um, princess bride quote. Um, but yeah, midwife does not mean <laughs> what I think everybody think it means anymore. I think it's gotten like watered down and medicalized. Um, yeah, yeah, and so so many different things. Right, thing. exactly, and that's really hard for I think for as a new mom if you're like, okay, I know what I don't want, or maybe that it's your second time around, and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. I did the hospital thing, maybe I, I don't want that. Um, so I'm going to have a home birth with a midwife, but what you're thinking is going to happen might not be what she's thinking is going to happen, and I think it's okay to question the heck out of your midwife. <laughs> Like what, yeah. what's important to you um, needs to be verbalized to her. And if she's, you know, worth anything, then she's going to be totally okay with you asking all of those questions. And if she's not, then maybe you need to find a different provider. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think, half the battle is helping people figure out what is important to them. A lot of people, you know, I think Lisa Barrett was the per- the midwife who said, she's more interested in what a client does want instead of what they don't want. You know, if you right. sit down with somebody and they say, well, I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want the experience I had before. Like, that's all well and good. And, you know, I can say, yeah, those things don't happen with me at home, but what do you want? Because that matters a lot. And I think that's why we need tons more midwives. And I'm really passionate about getting more midwives trained Um and I think it's great, that, you know, like where I live, there's right now, I want to say, at least four midwives in this city where I live, plus more that will travel here. And none of us practice the same way. And that's awesome because if somebody comes to me and says they do want something that I don't do, I can refer them to someone else who, who does that. But, um, yeah, so, yeah. I don't know where I was going with that other than there's a well, lot no, of the same. They're not going to offer the same thing. And it's really important for you to figure out what it is that you do want. And more importantly, be very, very clear about what it is that you don't want. Those are like the biggest things I think that would be a takeaway from that. Um, so can you answer that question for uh, the gal who says like, okay, so I'm an early labor. What happens if I have to pee? <laughs> can we talk about peeing and <laughs> And, and how important I love it is. talking about peeing. Let's talk about pee. Um, 
Yeah, so, yeah, that's usually not an issue. You can just pee. Um, I mean, <laughs> occasionally it becomes hard to pee if the baby descends. Um, yeah. You know, but very rarely is that the case, although I do have a friend who has a really great story about working with a mom who couldn't pee in labor. But Oh, no. But, well, I mean, it ended up fine, but it was, you know, that's a, it's a, it was a good story because it was rare and it was a, you know, anyways. So most, uh, the, the vast, vast majority of the time, you just pee. Pretty straightforward. <laughs> okay. Well, can you tell people, uh, maybe a brand new mom who just stumbled across the show, why is it important to pee during your labor? Mm. What happens if you don't? Well, Right, if you just refuse to pee for your whole labor, you just go on strike. Um, yeah, so if you are not peeing frequently or regularly, maybe not super frequently, although most pregnant people do pee a lot, um, even in labor, um, you know, if your bladder gets sort of overly full, it can be painful, sometimes not as effective, and it can at least theoretically and I guess I have seen it occasionally make it harder for the baby to, to come down because the bladder is sort of right in front of the uterus. Um, and, you know, when it's really full, it's taking up valuable real estate that the baby needs to, to get down and out. So it would be not good to not pee in labor. and um, But usually it just happens very naturally. But it's a good thing to remind people, especially if they're in the pool for a long time and they are someone yeah. who won't pee in the pool. Yeah. It's fine to pee in the pool. Sometimes people look at me like I have four heads if I suggest that they just do that. Just pee right there. Yeah, just pee. It's fine. You're like, what? Well, you're about to have a baby in the pool, so it's really not that big of a deal, I promise. <laughs> no one cares. Baby's um, not going to care yeah. either. No. Unless you're peeing lava, there's really not an issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Uh, but that's yeah, why I, I, mean, I like um, I encourage my clients to labor on the toilet because then yeah you have a contraction and then it's like tinkle 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's not bothering anybody it's already in the toilet um yeah. why is it can you explain that to if somebody's like what why would you want to labor on the toilet why is the toilet a great place to to labor if if mm-hmm. you want to you like to sit there why why is it helpful well, um, you know, there's lots of fancy birth stools out there. I don't tote one around with me. Um, <laughs> but there is a great position. You know, the toilet's very similar in position in that it, um, you know, just is, is a, it's a nice position to labor in when you're sort of trying out different, different positions because it creates space in different places. And it depends on the sort of pelvis you have. But generally it helps um, create more space. Um, especially in the outlet, so the the part of the pelvis the baby comes through at the end. Um, but psychologically, like you said, it's a good place for peeing and pooping, and it's a place where people don't feel like they're having to hold things in. So it's a nice, a nice energetic and psychological place to be if somebody is just needing to relax and feel um, that they can sort of let it all, let it all go. Um, <laughs> Yeah, those those are the things. I have a fabulous memory, and the woman totally wouldn't mind me sharing because she jokes about it with me all the time. But I have this awesome memory of this mom who I was in the hospital with actually was acting as a doula, 
I was feeding her like rotisserie chicken while she was on the toilet with that sounds amazing. Sometimes she had stools on either side, so her feet were kind of up even higher. She was in like pretty much a squat, and yeah, she was really pooped out, and she wanted some chicken. So she always tells me that I must <laughs> really love her because who else would feed her with just three chicken on the toilet, or anywhere? I You're gonna her. want what you want. Like I, women, uh, this one woman loved scrambled eggs during labor. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember right before I started pushing, like maybe 30 minutes before I told one of my doulas, I had like three doulas at my first, <laughs> my third <laughs> child. I was like, I want all my needs met. So um, yeah. I told one of my doulas, I was like, I need a cheeseburger and I need it right now. And I think all that was, was, was my body saying, you're about to do this huge thing. You need to fuel up. Um, mm-hmm. And then so she came back with a cheeseburger. And by that time I was like, get that thing the hell away from me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't want the cheeseburger after all. But um, you're just going to want what you're going to want, and everybody's going to be different. And um, I think maybe the biggest thing that we've forgotten about birth is that it's normal. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we've forgotten. It's a totally normal thing and that it's different for every person. Like no two births have ever looked exactly the same to me that I've been to. Yeah. Uh, everyone's yeah. going to be completely different. And that um, another big one I think is like, um, losing ourselves completely in it where like there's no room for self-consciousness in birth mm-hmm. um, like if you find yourself like worried about what somebody's thinking about you or about your body or anything then you're you're in for a tough time because mm-hmm. that part of your brain shouldn't be functioning <laughs> at all right. like that your brain needs to be completely off and like if you are a really self-conscious person, I think the major question would be like, what can we do to keep those kinds of thoughts from happening? And the mm-hmm. the answer is almost always protecting your space and being in a quiet, dark place with nobody bugging you. Yeah, I think that's the safe piece of the private space and unobserved. Well, and the unobserved piece too, you know, people not staring at you if you're self-conscious or whatever. Um, Yeah, for sure. I had a thought, too. Um, Another misconception I feel like I see a lot right now, um, and this is a little bit in the indie birth world, too, is that if you plan a home birth or an undisturbed birth, then it'll be easy. (laughs) (laughs) And that one's so hard for me. Um, Because you don't want to be like the person who's raining on someone's orgasmic birth parade but you know like I feel like it's my duty as someone who had a 66 hour labor to just give them a heads up but you know like that's awesome and I hope that's how that works out for you but if it doesn't here's my phone number or you know just make sure you have like a buffet in your fridge so you can feed yourself if it's really long or you know just to not feel discouraged because we have had a decent number of people who come back after their birth and they say, Oh man, I really wish I hadn't went in thinking it was going to be painless and short and easy. (laughs) I think I would have been better mentally prepared if I had been okay with the possibility that it wasn't going to be a thing. So um, that's been one lately that I think has been really interesting. Yeah, I I think that too. Um, There's this 
uh, OB out there that has a blog, and I'm I'm not pushing the blog, but um, kind of wrote somewhere that that the natural birth movement is setting women up for failure. And I rarely ever agree with this woman, but uh, <laughs> to a certain degree, um, I do believe that part, like where we might be um, blowing up this idea of, you know, your, your home orgasmic birth <laughs> with, mm-hmm. you know, angels singing and George right. Clooney feeding you blackberries or something while you're, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what perfect looks like to people, but whatever your image of perfect is, like there's no such thing as perfect. And like what thing in your life that you planned went exactly like you planned it. Right. Nothing works that way. And I don't want to set people up for this idea of some kind of perfect anything. Um, It's going to be, you know, what's that quote? I can't can't promise you that it's going to be easy, but I can promise you that it's worth it. And that's, a great and that's is that it's it's not going to be easy, but it's definitely worth it. Um, and yeah. In my, and and that anything could go, you know, you could plan for something, um, and it might not go exactly the way you want it to, but at least a lot of those things that you want will happen. Um, and that that's what I wanted. I wanted it with my last birth. I wanted it to be undisturbed. I wanted, uh, I was hoping Craig would catch the baby. Um, and I wanted support, but I loved that. Um, Ooh, let's talk about this really quickly. Um, my sister's a professional photographer and she's been to a number of births. She, she has a good idea about birth. Um, but I was laboring and she's in the bathroom. I'm in the bathtub. She she got into our shower to take photos of me. And uh, I was having a contraction, and there was like a click, click, click of the shutter. And I remember thinking, oh, no, everybody's going to see, like, how big my nipples are. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just remember having that thought. Like, in my mind, I have, like, these giant, like, thumb nipples, and they're just, like, it just very exaggerated in my brain, right? So <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, everybody's going to see that. Um, and now everybody knows. But I was like, oh, no, everybody's going to see that. And I was mortified, <laughs> and I started thinking about it. And I I realized as a as somebody who, who knows a lot about birth, who shares about birth, I'm like, oh, my God, I am not – I'm using my brain. I'm not where I need to be mm-hmm. right now. And so I kicked her out. And uh, <laughs> That's kind of a big deal. I asked her to leave. I was like, I can't right now. You, you're distracting me. You need to leave. She's like, okay. Mm-hmm. And luckily, you know, she didn't take it personally. Nobody should take anything a laboring woman says in labor personally. Um, and and she left, and things went really quickly after that. I had the baby like three hours after I kicked her out. Um, but I had thought that I wanted these amazing professional photos of my birth. And in the end, you know, I, I didn't get them, um, but I had to make that decision in the moment, like, what's more important to me right now, an easy labor <laughs> or beautiful right. photos? And right. I think that's something people need to think about, too. Um, I, I think you have to have, uh, I don't know, I think everybody's different. I wouldn't tell someone not to have a professional photographer there, but I would at least want them to think about who's at their labor and how it might affect how, how everything goes, goes down physiologically speaking. What do you, what are your thoughts, professional photographer? 
That's funny. I just met with someone last week who reached out to me because she's a new birth photographer. I think she's the only birth photographer in town. I mean, she's been to one birth, so she's, like, brand new. Um, And I have an article about birth photography on Indie Birth. Oh, Um, I missed that. I want to go read it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We had an amazing photographer, Jenny Goldman, come along to – I want to say five or six births with us a couple years ago and it was offered, she was just, you know, someone who really supported what we were doing and offered her time for free, which was incredible. And so she, you know, we, we offered it to our clients at the time and they, they said yes or no. And I think pretty much everyone took her up on it because they're like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, and so we have these really amazing photos that, you know, we still are sharing and we still haven't shared all of them. I mean, we probably have like, 500 photos from each birth or something so tons and tons um and she was great she had had two home births of her own and it's the i mean the people that said they wanted it seemed like they you know we, we helped them think through it and they felt really comfortable with her they met her beforehand and she just sort of blended in with our team you know it was me Marin, and her and she was really good about just sort of like not being anywhere around for long stretches of time and just sort of coming in and out because she didn't need, nice. you know, 2,000 pictures of the birth, um, the labor, right? And so right. she did a great job and was someone that I was really comfortable working with and, and yeah. But then I've also, we've had other photographers sort of proposition us. That's not the word I'm looking for. Maybe <laughs> we're like, I really want to come to a home birth. Don't you have anyone who hire me? Kind of like mm-hmm. trying to they really want to go to a home birth since they contacted us and we've been like, mm. you know, first of all, I have a hard enough time getting people to pay me to be their midwife, let alone like have an extra thousand dollars for a photographer. So that's like one part of it. But then, you know, the personality that is, you know, of the photographer feels just totally wrong um, as far as meshing with the energy that I bring to a birth. And so um, the, the, Sorry, the birth photographer I met with last week was really sweet and I think would be someone who is respectful and she said, you know, she would want to just kind of be a chameleon. And, um, so I think that's really important. And then um, the other piece of it, I think, is just we have, there's like a lot of things I think about birth photography, but in that article that I mentioned, I don't remember the title I gave it. Um, I talk about the political part of it too and how powerful photography is. And, you know, you were at the conference last year, and we did a whole session on yeah. um, media in birth activism, and that's available on our website in the 2016 conference recordings area. We actually just did a flash sale on it last week. Um, I'm sure I how that on Progressive Parenting's Facebook page. So if anybody wants a link to that, it'll be up there. Awesome. Yeah, and, you know, like I said, we, we've shared – photos a lot I mean this last week one of Marin's that she shared of her from her sixth birth went viral and we had I think almost 400,000 views over the course of a week of her birth photo yeah so I mean that doesn't happen every time but often if it gets shared enough um yeah and there were tons of comments in different languages and you know, people being like, is this normal? Does that baby, is that baby okay? 
um, you know, and it's a really awesome educational opportunity. So there's the educational component and the political component. And so um, I love birth photography for those reasons. Um, I don't love birth photography that is further normalizing unphysiological birth because we have enough forces that are doing that. So, um, yeah, that's like a a whole other topic. I would love people to to watch that part of the conference. Um, And I'm, that was, I was really hoping to have you talk about that um, in our culture doula program too, in the upcoming year. Uh, And if anybody doesn't know what the culture doula project program is, um, it is kind of like the answer to uh, (laughs) uh, me traveling around for the last seven years and, you know, going into classes and asking people, well, I'm sure you've heard of uh, Marin Green or you've read this book or you've seen this birth movie and, you know, this author and everybody's like, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, wow, we have, a, we have a lot of stuff we need to, to share. And so the, the culture doula program is uh, about filling in all of those, those things that uh, we, we can't possibly learn about in a, in a two-day um, mm-hmm. weekend workshop <laughs> becoming a doula. There's a lot more to know, and that's what we're doing. And I'm excited to have you and Marin as uh, instructors in the Culture Duo program. Like, I'm so excited. Um, I'm so excited to be able to. Yeah. I want to recommend it to all the doulas. (laughs) (laughs) So excited to have, like, a resource to hand them and be like, do this thing. Yeah. Um, I think that's another cool thing, though, too, about, like, having – if you can't afford to have a photographer at your birth, like don't lament it too much. Like don't, don't let it ruin anything because um, you can get some really amazing photos from people there at the birth. If they're being very, Mm -hmm. like I'm very sly about taking pictures for my clients using their phone. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Like they didn't there, they see these pictures later and they're like, I don't even remember you taking that picture. Like, I don't remember you doing that. And I was like, yeah, because I was being really sneaky about it. I didn't mm-hmm. want you to feel observed, right? And um, so it, it, you can get some really great photos just from a phone if you can't afford a photographer. Um, totally. you can, if you have people, yeah, on your team, if you ask them to discreetly uh, record what was happening, then you can still get some really beautiful shots. Just It's just beautiful what you can what you can get now, especially with an iPhone. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just amazing. So thank you, um, Margo, for sharing all this stuff with us today. I really appreciate it. I think it's super important to talk about like what we've forgotten. And I love your idea of sharing for free. If somebody wants to get on board with that, how do they get in touch with you? Um, they can find me on Facebook at Margo Blackstone and send me a message and I will get you in that group. And like you said, you don't have to be somebody who wants to host a full-on workshop or anything like that. It could be, you know, we have people in there who are going to be doing, um, like, book groups. Uh, so just picking a book like Gentle Birth, Gentle Mothering or whatever else someone is loving. And, you know, as they're learning more um, and reading, they can sort of extend that to the community and say, hey, I'm reading um, Birthing from Within. Who wants to get together and talk about it or whatever the book is? Um, or people who are just showing business of being born at their house and having people over for snacks, you know. Um, So there's a wide variety of people in the group and people in different places and they're learning and education and comfort with sharing. And so if you're someone who cares about this stuff, please get in touch with me and I will help support you however I can with my time. So, yeah. That's amazing. Um, can, Can you share the Indie Birth website with everyone too? 
so they know how to get in touch with you guys yeah. there? Yeah, IndieBirth.com just got a makeover yesterday, and it's sort of an incomplete makeover. Like, mascara is kind of messed up still, but um, we have <laughs> a lot of good stuff, and we have so much stuff that we often can't keep track of it all, but we've gotten got all of it much more easily accessible right from the home page. Um, tons of, just tons of resources that are free, paid, and everything in between. Um, and you can always get us by email as well. My email is margo at indiebirth.com. And, yeah, send me on Facebook and like our Facebook page. And, uh, yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much, Margo. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. Remember, uh, our show airs live every Monday at 11 o'clock. Progressive Parenting Radio is a listener-funded program. If you enjoy the information we bring you, please consider donating. You can send PayPal donations to paypal.me forward slash radio donation. Progressive Parenting has been broadcasting for over 10 years, bringing quality information to listeners like you. Many thanks again to Dilla Trainings International for their support of the program and to the wonderful people at bebomia.com and doulabook.com. Come uh, see me in the real life, you guys. In 2017, I will be doing, I think we're going to be doing 12 total flock yeahs. So come and see me at a flock yeah near you. We're going to be in Calgary, Toronto. We're going to be in uh, California and San Diego, which I'm super stoked about. And uh, if you want to see more, you're going to go to GinaKirby.com when our website is uh, new and live, whenever that happens. I think it's going to be in a week. I'm super stoked about our brand-new website. And uh, <laughs> come see me Calgary, New York, Toronto, Montreal, San Diego, Hawaii, uh, Chicago, and in Nashville. And, um, oh, my gosh, if you sign up uh, for Flock yeah, you can join our Culture Doula program. Get on it. If you have any questions, just email me at uh, ProgressiveParentingRadio at gmail.com or just go on Facebook and look up the Culture Doula program. Until next time, you guys, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. If I ever do anything right, I want to be so little light if I ever wake in the night I want to know I tried my best for this little Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.